0: You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah.
1: Today we're going to talk all about self-care. But first, let's catch up on life lately. What's new with
0: you, Abby? So this is something that is new with our podcast. I love it. This episode is coming out on November 7th, and we released our first episode last year on November 8th. So happy one year anniversary to us. Yay! <laughs> I just feel really proud of us, especially since we're both procrastinators. Truth. And I also feel so thankful to our listeners for being here. Listeners, we could have done this without you. And at first we did, (laughs) when it was only our moms listening. But it's so much nicer knowing you're going to listen. And with you emailing us book recommendations and leaving us comments and chiming in on Instagram.
1: It's made it really fun.
0: For sure. Sarah, what's new with you?
1: Well, last time you talked about how you had a weekend away to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And this time I'm going to talk about how Neil and I had a weekend away to Arkansas.
0: Amazing.
1: Ours was extra special because it was the first time since E was born. So more than three years. Oh my gosh. That we had been away together without our kids. Individually, we'd each gone on trips and had time away. But Before, our kids were always in the care of the other parent, yeah. and this time they were in the care of my parents. It was a really short trip. We drove down Friday and drove back Sunday, and we're just there all day Saturday. Mm -hmm. But the car ride there was also really amazing. (laughs) For the first couple hours, we just chatted with each other, and having an uninterrupted conversation is such a luxury right now. (laughs) Yeah. We keep trying to have conversations during dinner. I'm not sure why we continue to persist, because (laughs) one simple story that would take two minutes to tell normally will take the entire dinner situation as we're constantly managing other things and Mm -hmm. interrupting children, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Hope springs eternal. That's why you keep trying.
1: One of these days. But that was great. We listened to some new podcasts On the way back, we listened to all of Rain Wilson's memoir that you talked about last time. Yay. Then the weekend there was just wonderful. We got to see friends from college. It was at Petty Jean State Park, which is a really beautiful place in Arkansas. Yeah. And Neil and I went hiking for a couple hours that morning. It was just great. I hope that it won't be another three years before we do that
0: again. Me too, friend. Sounds awesome.
1: Well, let's chat about what we've been reading. What have you been reading lately, Abby?
0: I'm not going to talk about a book today. Instead, I'm going to talk about a New York Times magazine piece called When the Revolution Came for Amy Cuddy by Susan Dominus. And this was published October 18th. But I wanted to talk about this because in our episode about the places we've lived, The book I talked about was Presence, which is by Amy Cuddy. Mm -hmm. And in the episode, I mentioned power posing and I mentioned her TED Talk. And I think we linked to that in our show notes, too. Then a friend of the podcast, KT, brought to my attention that the majority of findings from Amy Cuddy's original study that she talks about in the TED Talk weren't able to be repeated by other scientists who were trying to do similar experiments and show the same thing. So I read a bunch about it. and then. I saw someone share this piece, and then you sent it to me almost right after that. Mm -hmm. What it is is basically just detailing the whole situation. Talks about her initial findings, talks about the TED Talk, talks about the subsequent reaction in the field to people trying to repeat it and it not working. And then it talks about the scientific backlash of that and puts it in the context of this larger movement of replicability happening in science, especially in social science. Mm -hmm. So I found the piece really fascinating. I think it's pretty well balanced, though it does come out giving a favorable picture of Amy Cuddy. And I have read some other pieces sort of in reaction to it. And there are just a lot of opinions out there about how it all went down, what constitutes harassment, and the role of sexism in science Mm -hmm. when these sorts of things happen. I found looking at it from all those perspectives really interesting, and it really made me think
1: As somebody who's not involved in the science world, it was really interesting to read more about it. Mm -hmm. And I think as a culture, we view science as being very objective and neutral, Mm -hmm. and that going through this, it was clear that that was not the case on Mm -hmm. both
0: sides. I think that's a great point and a great reason to read it. I would really recommend the article. I think it raises really good questions about objectivity in science, what criticism really is, and when it goes too far into personal attacks, Mm -hmm. and if people are interested in how science works, it's a pretty good case study for that. So we'll
1: link to this article, and then maybe we can also link to a couple response pieces that you found most interesting. Totally. So the book I'm going to talk about is The Pearl Thief by Elizabeth Wine. This is a prequel to Codename Verity, which we read in our online book club about a year and a half ago.
0: Well, you read it. I didn't make it through (laughs) it.
1: You attempted and you were there for the discussion. So you have some background. It's fine. (laughs) And this is a book that was recommended to me by listener Misty, who blogs at Oceanic Wilderness. And she does great book roundups every couple months on the books she's been reading. And I saw this one on there and I had no idea that there was a prequel to Codename Verity. I was a little on the fence about it because Codename Verity was not my favorite book that I've read. Mm. But then I was talking a little bit with her about it. And she was saying how much she liked it and that it's also this look into the aristocracy at this really interesting time in Scottish Mm. history. And that was very intriguing to me. So I picked it up. And at first, it did feel the same way I felt Codename Verity was, which it was just hard for me to get into. Mm -hmm. I always felt a little bit on the outside. I never got lost in the story. Yeah. And I felt like that for the first chapter of this. And then I was hooked. Mm. It's a mystery. She gets injured and blacks out, and we don't know who attacked her. Mm. Her memory is slowly coming back, and she's putting all the pieces together about what happened. And there's also all this really interesting cultural commentary about the Scottish travelers, which I knew nothing about. Oh, yeah. Which are nomadic people in Scotland, Mm -hmm. and about the prejudices there also about what was happening to the aristocracy and people losing their fortunes and how that played out. Mm. And throughout the book, Julie is exploring her sexuality with both women and men. Mm. And I feel like not drawing too much attention to it, Mm -hmm. just normalizing that experience. That's cool. And I just found the main character, Julie, to be very likable. That's awesome. It was fun to read her story. As listeners know, I'm not a huge mystery person, right? And I still really liked this one.
0: You almost had me convinced that I should try it.
1: Part of what's hard to get into is there's a lot of Scottish phrases mm. that I don't know right away, and I have trouble when I don't understand exactly what's happening. I find that really <laughs> frustrating as a reader, right? Where Neil and other people I know just, oh, you just get it from context, and they don't worry about it, but it bothers me. Mm -hmm. And I think it took a little while for me, one, to get used to it, and two, to let it go and just
0: move through the book. So who would you recommend it for, Sarah? I
1: would recommend it to Lovers of YA and Mystery. Nice. I feel like there was just so much there. It also had these really feminist themes that were great. It was a fun book, but with content. Nice. That it wasn't total fluff, but you went along for the ride. Cool. So our main topic today is self-care, and we thought this would be a great time of year to talk about it right before the craziness of the holidays start. Even if we are people who are good at prioritizing self-care, around the holidays, it can feel hard to do that, Mm -hmm. and like we need to be checking in with ourselves a little bit more often to keep that on track and not let the demands of the season overwhelm us. Absolutely. Let's start by defining what we think of as self-care.
0: So I think of the very common image of filling your own pitcher before you can pour anything out of it. Mm -hmm. So taking care of yourself before you have anything to offer to other people. And I think that's true whether you're parenting or not. Everybody needs to be able to do this stuff. Totally. I'll also say I feel like I'm not doing a great job at self-care and wanted to kind of give a shout out. (laughs) to other people who may be struggling with this too. Sarah, I know you're really good at self-care. Maybe we can get some ideas about how to make it happen.
1: Well, you say I'm good at self-care, but I think sometimes I'm too good at (laughs) self-care, where I probably need sometimes to prioritize it a little less in order to get shit done. Yeah, I feel like there's a balance there and that maybe we can each be learning something from the other person about how to find that
0: right balance of self-care. So how do you define it, friend?
1: I think of it as things that leave me feeling energized and rejuvenated, and that when I am doing those things, I feel like I am more of my true self, and also that it's things that I do to respect my own needs, and those may be different than the needs of other people, and recognizing that that's okay. Hmm. Let's talk now about how we actually practice self-care on a daily, weekly, and yearly basis, And this can be both what we're doing now and our
0: aspirational goals for self-care. So in my ideal self-care world, I would do a lot more things than I'm doing now. I would say I'm hitting the basics right now. One self-care practice that I really love is breathing with a long exhale. And this is one that I learned from my mom. If you do just a normal inhale, But then you exhale on a sigh or exhale like through your lips like a horse or count your exhale so that it's longer than your inhale. It's something that really helps me that I can do in just a couple minutes during the day. And is that
1: something that you just try and do at regular intervals or is it that you have some kind of trigger where you feel like you're being stressed and then this is a strategy you turn to?
0: I definitely do it when I'm frustrated, but... I try to do it when I'm not frustrated, too, to help me not get to that point. Mm -hmm. My other daily ones are walks while listening to podcasts or audiobooks. Mm -hmm. Often, Plum and I will walk with Andrew to work, and then as we walk back, I'll listen to something, and she'll just sort of look at cars and buses, this is getting harder as she gets more aware and wants more interaction. Yes. So I feel a little bit sad about that. (laughs) I do think the walking is good whether I'm interacting with my kid or not. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I wish for slightly less interaction.
1: I know the feeling because I've tried listening to podcasts while I'm pushing the stroller. And yeah, it's just hard when they're wanting to chat about things. And then I get frustrated. So then I just have to put it away.
0: Yeah. So... Eating food that I enjoy is a self-care practice for me, Mm -hmm. especially cheese.
1: Yes.
0: (laughs) When I can, I really try and savor the food and pay attention to it rather than just shoveling it in Mm -hmm. because that mindful eating feels more caring (laughs) to myself. It feels more (laughs) indulgent too. Yeah, it does when you're noticing what you're eating. And then the last one that I put for my daily self-care practices are connecting with loved ones. So whether that's boxing with you or taking time to have a conversation with Andrew after we put the baby to bed. That really helps me fill my cup.
1: So for me, my daily ones are reading for fun. Sometimes I'm better at this than others. Mm-hmm. I've been in a great reading streak lately. Yeah, you've been reading a
0: ton of books.
1: Partly because Neil and I finished re-watching Parks and Rec.
0: Mm. And
1: so For a while, a lot of evenings after the kids were in bed, we would watch one or two shows and Mm -hmm. then I wouldn't use that time for reading. But we don't really have a show that we're watching right now. Mm. And I've had a great stack of library books. So I've been converting all that time to reading time, which has been great. Watching shows, I feel like that's a form of self-care for me at different times, Mm. that sometimes that feels more like what I need than reading. Mm. And then Mm -hmm. sometimes reading feels like more what I need. I just try and be honest with myself about that and that some days I just need to binge watch some Netflix. Totally. And that's good. Just the same way getting lost in a book can be good for what I need. Mm -hmm. The other one is going to bed early (laughs) almost all the time. And this has been something that has been part of my life since college. I distinctly remember when we were living in the houses. And everybody would be getting ready to go out on a Saturday night. and it would be ten o'clock. I'm like, "All right, guys, let me know what happens in the morning." <laughs> And I go to sleep because I hated being tired. I just am a miserably human being when I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. And full disclosure, I also think in college I had undiagnosed iron deficiency anemia, and that made me really tired where I really did need a ton more sleep. And once in grad school, I figured that out. I feel like I still like to go to bed really early, but it <laughs> wasn't quite the necessity that it was <laughs> before. Yeah.
0: So when you say early...
1: I mean, probably the earliest would be 8.30, Okay, which I did last night. Nice. <laughs> Usually lights out between 9 and 9.30, mm-hmm. and then it's not totally unusual if I'm up till 10, but that's probably less than once a week. Yeah. It's just really hitting the basics for me. The other one is eating good food. Mm-hmm. I'm also a terrible mm-hmm. person when I'm hungry. Yes, same. And I know that about myself and... Sometimes it's still a challenge to make that happen with all of the demands during the day. Right. I feel like when I'm being the most caring for myself, I'm making sure that I'm eating a real breakfast or packing one to go because I don't like to eat right away. Mm. And so for that, I see that less as like eating those indulgent foods that I'll talk about in a minute, but more as just literally feeding myself so that I don't get hangry. Yeah. (laughs) And that's a form of self-care for me and my family. Right. (laughs) What about weekly?
0: I've realized recently that I really need some time each week where I have designated time off where I'm neither parenting nor working mm-hmm. whether that's doing creative work or paid work. Andrew has really helped me after we had some I wouldn't say fights necessarily but he might discussions. Say that. <laughs> he might say that they were fights. But it was a good realization to come to about where I am in this season of my life that I need that time. Mm -hmm. And because we're co-parenting our kid, I need his help to get it. Mm
1: -hmm. For mine on a weekly basis, I need to make sure that I'm connecting with friends and with people outside of my family unit. Mm -hmm. And this can either be with kids, organizing playdates with people where I'm chatting with the adults while the kids are playing. Mm -hmm. Or without things like doing book club that's once a month or grabbing drinks with a friend. And I probably do that maybe once a month. And then also connecting with Neil and finding time to actually talk uninterrupted. Mm -hmm. Because with our kids going to bed later and with me going to bed so early, there's this really (laughs) narrow window of time.
0: Not much adult time.
1: Yes. Sometimes I just want to read my book or just want to watch a show. Right. I feel talked out Mm -hmm. and... I feel like what I need as an introvert is just time by myself, but I also love the time connecting with him, so needing to make sure that that still happens several times a week. And in some ways, it feels kind of crazy to say, I'm trying to find time to talk to my spouse a few times a week, Yeah, but <laughs> the reality is that when we are parenting young children, we do have so many demands on our time and that it can feel like ships passing in the night mm-hmm. and that prioritizing finding that time feels great, but also acknowledging that this is just a season where that may be happening less than it will when we can actually have a real conversation during dinner.
0: And you're talking about real conversations, too. You and Neil are in contact all the time, I know. Yes, (laughs) But it's more like (laughs) that designated time where you're able to really connect with him. Yes, exactly.
1: And then for me, similar to what you said, indulging in really delicious food. So Getting Indian Buffet or Thai Buffet. Mm. Love both of those. And then same as you, eating good cheese. Cheese so good. It feels like this small pleasure, Mm -hmm. but it feels like so much more at this time of my life that I really
0: enjoy it. Absolutely. So my self-care things that happen less than weekly are that I go to acupuncture once a month. I also see a therapist twice a month. And then zooming out a little bit more, more on a yearly basis, but it's more seasonally. I go through times where I feel like shopping and really enjoy it and really get satisfaction out of it. Mm-hmm. Some of that is my thing about finding the exact right thing and having looked for it. But also, I really just love finding a great clothing item and looking great and feeling great.
1: Is that something that you like to go to stores to do, or are you just as satisfied doing that online?
0: I like both. Okay. And I do think they're equally satisfying. I also love to do, and I try to do it on a yearly basis, a professional development type thing Mm -hmm. where I get to go and be the non-mom version of me and talk to mostly adults (laughs) and learn things that might help me with writing or with teaching or podcasting and connecting with other people that have similar professional interests.
1: So, the yearly things for me would be visiting friends who don't live here. Like me. Like going to visit you. <laughs> yeah. And then also having time in my home without kids. Mm. And I'm talking about days, not just a couple hours <laughs> while they're in childcare. Though so that's nice too. That is nice, but I feel then like there's still so much of just the everyday that's happening. And if you put things away two hours later, it's going to look very similar to the way it did before. Right. Where if you have days at home, you can actually let go of a lot of those responsibilities. Mm -hmm. One thing I really enjoy when Neil is out of town is not having to cook as much Mm
0: -hmm. because Mm -hmm.
1: he eats so much. (laughs) 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 Where... The kids and I can just kind of scrounge for a few days and get by, and then there's less time spent cooking and less time spent cleaning. And this is actually going to happen for the first time for me later this month, where Neil is taking the kids on a trip to visit his parents.
0: So awesome.
1: And I am going to stay here in Bloomington. And I'm really looking forward to getting some stuff done that's hard to do when Mm. there's people. And then also just cleaning the house once and enjoying being there.
0: Yeah. You're not going to get out any more books and throw them everywhere.
1: And you best believe I'm going to go to the discount cheese section at my local Kroger and get a bunch of cheese and crackers.
0: (laughs) And share it with no one.
1: Yes, exactly. It's going to be amazing. So that's the self-care that we do love. Are there any types of self-care that you don't like that are things that often come to mind when people think about self-care?
0: So I feel like people are always like, go get a massage. You'll love it. And I hate massages. Same. Does not feel (laughs) relaxing to me. And I also feel similarly about pedicures. Yes, same. What about you?
1: (laughs) Mine are the same. Anything personal beauty related. (laughs) I don't like spending money on that. And for me, it is not relaxing to interact with strangers. Mm,
0: mm -hmm.
1: It's fine. I don't mind it. But it's not self-care to me.
0: It's not rejuvenating.
1: Exactly. Almost all of my self-care, aside from connecting with friends and my spouse, Mm -hmm. is about being alone Yeah, (laughs) and having protected time with no demands. So anything like getting a manicure is just not appealing to me. Mm -hmm. Generally, anything that involves me having to spend a lot of money to do it, Mm -hmm. buying things doesn't feel like self-care to me generally, Mm -hmm. which I think our next episode, we're going to go more into personal finance- Right.
0: We're really different on this. We are. So preview, I have issues around spending money. And I have no issues around spending money (laughs) to my personal finance detriment.
1: And mine's to my detriment too, just in a different way. But it takes away from the experience for me if I'm having to shell out cash for it. Hmm. There are some exceptions around travel, but generally speaking. So are there any types of self-care that you wish you were incorporating more but aren't right now?
0: A lot of my daily self-care practices that I talked about, I'm not doing every day. And so I would like to be doing that. My aspirational self would absolutely be making time for the long walks. I am doing good on the breathing. It's nice that you have to do that to live, and it's really easy (laughs) to fit it in. (laughs) I also wish that I was getting more sleep. Mm -hmm. I do fine with little sleep. That was a bonus for me when I had a newborn. Mm -hmm. And in college when I wanted to stay out and party or needed to stay up all night to study, I did just fine. And I'm still like that. But there does come a point even for me where I'm like, man, I wish I could be sleeping right now. (laughs) And then I've gone through periods of time in my life where I had a regular yoga practice where I did yoga every morning at home. And I wish that I was doing that now. And I think that that's something in thinking about this episode, I've felt inspired to fit that back in Mm -hmm. because I'm not talking about an hour of yoga. I think even seven minutes of yoga in the morning would be awesome. And I think that I could do that. I think it would make a big difference. What are yours, Sarah?
1: Mine have to do with exercise. That I wish I was incorporating more exercise into my daily and weekly life. Mm -hmm. And I feel so much better when I'm doing that. Right. I just feel better in my body. I feel like I'm using my body the way I'm meant to. Mm -hmm. And it makes me feel strong. I think I used to be much better about this even a year ago.
0: Mm.
1: A lot of that had to do with HP went to preschool Where I could work out. Right. And so I was just there all the time. Mm -hmm. So it was really easy to fit in a gym class, which is what I really like to do. Right. And now it would involve traveling to go do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to do a lot more creative work now than I was then. And so it feels like an either or proposition Mm -hmm. that if I were to go do that, then I would have less time to be working on these other things. Yeah. And I think it's much more complicated than that because I could wake up earlier and go to the gym first thing. I could go even just once a week and have the other days for working on podcasting and writing. And I think part of it is that I rely on the fact that I bike and walk to get everywhere I need to go. Mm -hmm. That even if I'm not exercising, I am moving my body every day. Right. And I feel like I'm maintaining this baseline level of fitness But it feels really different than when I'm regularly working out. Mm -hmm. And I think I would feel better if I found more time to do that. Yeah, And I'm just not sure what I'm willing to give in order to make that happen. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I know that that's an issue, but I don't have a perfect solution for it right now.
0: I think it is tough to make all those kinds of trades, Mm -hmm. you know, especially when it's something like you really value sleep. Yes. So would it make you feel better to get up early to go to the gym? Maybe not.
1: Yeah. And I'm not like you. I am not a nice person when I don't have sleep. And... I found that if I was getting up to do things, either working or working out, that by the afternoon, I was just not a very patient person and was Mm -hmm. getting so easily frustrated that it didn't feel worth the trade-off to me. Yeah. That I felt like at this season of life where I need to be so available and present and calm for my kids, Mm -hmm. that the best thing is not going to be to wake up early, that it's fine in the morning. I don't mind doing it. It's the end of the day where I feel like it comes back to get me. Mm -hmm. But I think there are other ways of fitting it in. For example, there's classes on Saturday mornings that I could make that a priority Mm -hmm. before we start the rest of our weekend. And even just doing it one day a week, I think, would make a pretty big difference for me. Yeah. So I think in our culture, there's a lot of talk about feeling guilty about practicing self-care and about how parents and moms especially give so much of themselves and often put other people ahead of themselves Mm -hmm. and meet other
0: people's needs first. Is that an idea that you relate to? I don't think I feel guilty for taking time for myself, but I don't think I'm good at prioritizing it either. Mm, mm-hmm. It doesn't even necessarily feel related to family life. It feels more related to my life as a whole that I tend to just go, go, go on obligations, mm-hmm. oftentimes because I have to. Being in journalism, there are deadlines and those don't move. Right. There are podcasting deadlines. Those don't move. And sometimes I procrastinate. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so then I set myself up to have to do more and have less time for self-care kind of on a daily basis. And then I almost burn out. And then I do, you know, nothing for two days and binge watch a whole bunch of TV with Andrew and play Candy Crush for two hours during (laughs) every nap time. And I think that if I was better at building in and prioritizing more regularly, then I might feel more motivated to work and not have those sort of like binge care times where I just need to mega veg in order to get back to a place where I'm more functional. Right. And maybe it is guilt. And I do feel guilty, you know, to not make deadlines and things. But it feels more like a prioritizing thing for me.
1: Right. Because you don't feel bad when you're taking time for yourself. Mm -mm. It doesn't feel like I should not be doing this because I should be spending more time with my family. Definitely not that. It's just that you have a lot of demands on your time Mm -hmm. that makes it challenging to find the time. Right.
0: And that I am not arranging my time in the best way. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about that whole concept of guilt around self care?
1: As I mentioned earlier, I think I have the opposite problem that. (laughs) I know what I need and I don't feel bad about taking that time Mm -hmm. because I know it makes me better at everything else. And to me, it's just such a one-to-one relationship. If I don't get sleep one night, I have a lot more trouble in the afternoon with all of life. (laughs) And so I see the positive results. It's not just this theoretical idea that I will feel better if I do Mm. X, Y, and Z. It's very based in reality to me. yeah. And because so many of my self-care things are just this daily needs that I know need to be met, even things like reading to me, I feel so much better on the evenings and the days where I'm able to find time to do a book as opposed to wasting time on my phone. Mm. I really do see that as a form of self-care and connecting me to who I was before I was a parent. Mm -hmm. And it's this thing that has been the same throughout all of that. Yeah, And I've never really felt guilt about taking that time for myself. I am a horrible procrastinator because I will... Always choose to do the fun thing first. Mm -hmm. Even when we were in college and I would have major deadlines looming, (laughs) if somebody asked me if I wanted to go walk to go get frozen custard, my answer was yes. Always yes. (laughs) Or if people are hanging out, I wanted to be hanging out too. And I never felt bad about it. And it never took away from my enjoyment of the moment, yeah, where I think some people it's really stressful to them to be doing that when they know they have these things they should be doing. Mm-hmm. And I just never felt that, yeah, to my detriment. And it's been really helpful to me, actually, to have more childcare this year. Mm-hmm. And those blocks of time, I do want to spend on work. Mm-hmm. And I think I have been much better about using that time to do my own creative projects. And there aren't that many days where I just fritter away the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think that helps me then not feel guilty when it's the afternoon during rest time, and I'm just going to read my book yeah, and not do anything else. And same in the evenings. I have never been able to do work in the evenings ever in my life, <laughs> <laughs> including in college. People talk about staying up late to study or write a paper. I was always of the mindset that I will do better on the test if I get sleep rather than staying <laughs> up studying. And past nine o'clock, my words turned to gibberish. So I would do things like wake up at three or four in the morning to uh-huh. finish writing papers on the regular. I would never stay up late to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I did both, where I would stay up till midnight <laughs> and then sleep till three and then wake up and study until the test at 8 a.m.
1: I feel so sad just thinking about that. I think one thing I have felt more guilt around is getting the childcare that I needed.
0: Because that's about spending money, right?
1: Exactly. But it's also about self-care. It's about both. It is. And now that I finally do have more child care, I think that, one, I'm able to actually do creative projects. Because before, I wouldn't want to write or I wouldn't want to do podcasting things. I would just want to read because I knew I needed that. And it's like, that's my first thing. Mm-hmm. And so I feel so much more balanced now. And the big step for that was letting myself feel that it was okay to do it. Mm-hmm. and. I don't know, that feels like a whole nother episode, but...
0: <laughs> right, giving ourselves permission for things. Mm-hmm,
1: yeah, especially around parenting.
0: Yeah, maybe we will talk about that later.
1: Well, that leads us right into the next question, which is, has our idea of self-care or the way we do self-care changed since becoming a parent?
0: Yeah, I think I had a pretty atypical early parenthood experience. People talked about losing yourself in parenting. And when Plum was really little, I really felt just like myself. Mm -hmm. But then the shift for me happened when she got more aware and needed more interaction Mm -hmm. because it didn't feel like I could just take her anywhere and do anything. It felt like my time was more constrained. And to me, that's where the crux of it really is, is the constraints on my time. And that's been the biggest change since becoming a parent. So. With the work I'm doing and with the parenting, there just doesn't feel like there's enough time to do some of this stuff.
1: I have similar feelings that what I like to do for self care has not changed since becoming a parent, mm-hmm. but the need to prioritize it has. Yeah. Before, of course, I had time to read, <laughs> of course, I had time to exercise. Of course, Neil and I could have uninterrupted conversations, Mm -hmm. and now it feels much more like I need to make some trade-offs and figure out how to fit that in, or Mm -hmm. it isn't going to happen. One thing that I think has changed is that I used to love having long phone conversations with friends. Mm -hmm. There were several friends, mostly from college, that I would call and talk to for hours, weekly, and now I find that so much more draining mm-hmm. because what I really need when my kids go to bed is time without input from other people. Yeah. I still love catching up with friends, but it feels less like self-care to me. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not enjoyable. I still really like it. Sure. But I don't feel like it rejuvenates me the same way reading or going to sleep does. <laughs> It really feels like an either-or proposition that if I talk on the phone or do something that doesn't feel like self-care, that's an hour I'm not giving myself what I need.
0: And you'll miss it.
1: Absolutely. Let's circle back to the holidays and talk about self-care at this time of year. Are there any specific strategies that you have or ways of looking at it as we enter into this
0: time with so many demands on us? Several years ago... I had this epiphany that in the summer months, it was so fun to be outside and the weather was beautiful that I had this idea in my head that that would continue into fall and winter. Mm-hmm. And so I would do things like plan tons of trips for the fall and that felt really draining. And so the next year I put a reminder in my iCal, I think in September, to say, don't over schedule yourself for fall. But by the time September comes, it's already too late. (laughs) All of those things are already on the calendar. So this year, I put it in July and it worked like a charm. (laughs) So the idea of already knowing that the holidays are going to be crazy and that you're going to have a lot of obligations on your time, that it might be a good idea to build in other downtime however that looks for you, mm-hmm. is something that I feel like took me a really long time to learn, but that I actually finally got there. So I highly recommend the calendar alert in summer.
1: I love that idea. And it's something I've thought about after hearing about it from you. I don't really check in with a electronic calendar on mm-hmm. a regular basis, but it's something I think about now is Abby's not overscheduling herself. <laughs> I should do the same. And for me, it's a similar idea of just, I've really lowered expectations of what we as a family are going to do Mm. over the holidays. Mm -hmm. And after E was born, we stopped traveling for Christmas. Mm. And we have been making a trip after Christmas to visit my family, Mm -hmm. which has felt really fun and great and not overwhelming because it's not holiday related at all. Right. It's just visiting. But for me, it's just letting go of a lot of ideas of what we should be doing and just keeping it simple. Mm -hmm. Just reading holiday books and spending time together as a family and eating good food. Mm -hmm. We've simplified presents so much. It really helps that both my kids do not love situations with tons of people. Mm -hmm. So the idea of doing things like going to sit on Santa's lap or these bigger holiday events, my kids wouldn't even like those. Right. So it makes it very easy to say no. It doesn't feel like I'm depriving them of something they would enjoy. Mm -hmm. It feels like I'm protecting their holiday time too.
0: I like the idea of making it a family value Mm. to be aware of and take care of what your family members need.
1: Yes. And listeners, we would love to hear your recommendations about generally fitting in self-care and then specifically, are there any strategies that you use going into the holidays or during the holiday time to make sure that it is fun and enjoyable and not overwhelming? Let's end the show by talking about what we've been eating. I have been eating something that you recommended to me, which is chicken noodle soup. Neil is back to eating dairy again now that allergy season is over. Oh, good. But for a while, he wasn't. And I was really struggling to come up with a lot of great dairy-free recipes. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think we eat that much dairy. I think the fact that there was a limitation made me focus on it a lot more than I would have otherwise. I believe that. But one thing you recommended was chicken noodle soup. And that's something we made for his birthday. And then we made it again a couple months later. And I'm making it tonight. Yum. And Abby has written out the recipe on her blog. So we will link to that. Another Instant Pot wonder of cooking the whole chicken. And then after that, it's really simple. You do the broth, which takes several hours Mm -hmm. of it simmering, but it doesn't take up much of your time Mm -hmm. and it makes your house smell delicious. It's true. And then the rest of it is just sautéing some vegetables and putting everything together. Mm -hmm. So I am looking forward to having that tonight, especially because this is the first week where we've had real chilly weather. Mm. We turned our heat on for the first time yesterday and wearing winter coats when we go out. And so I think it's going to feel very seasonally appropriate and cozy.
0: What have you been eating? I've been eating chipotle pimento cheese. Hmm. And this was inspired by our co-op, which makes an amazing chipotle pimento cheese. And then I thought, I'm just going to try and see if I can make this. And, you know, they have the ingredients on the top. Right. So you can guess at sort of the ratios. And I haven't gotten them quite right, but it still comes out delicious because, geez. How wrong can you go? It's more of a texture thing, too, that I don't mm. have quite enough liquid in there yet.
1: So what are the ingredients?
0: Cheese. Pimentos in a jar. The chipotle part is the canned chipotle peppers and adobo mm-hmm. sauce. And then you blend them up mm-hmm. with the hand blender and add some of that, not the whole thing. There's garlic, powder, and then honey and apple cider vinegar. What kind of cheese do you use? Sharp cheddar. That sounds amazing, especially because I'm hungry right now. <laughs> it's really good because I love pimento cheese but something about the chipotle that makes it kind of smoky and with the honey that makes it kind of sweet just takes it to the next level. I went through a phase
1: in Austin where I was buying the chipotle and adobo sauce and just blending it up and then keeping that in the fridge to add to a lot of other things, like yeah. adding it to black bean soup is really delicious. Mm-hmm. And we were making split pea soup for a long time. That was so good with a little bit of that stirred in. It's also really good on breakfast burritos. Mm, that sounds amazing. And my family is not into spicy things. And this oh, felt right. like a really fancy way to be able to add it to my own, mm. where you just have to prep it by blending it once and then adding not just sriracha sauce, which is another way that I add spice, mm-hmm. but it feels more delicious and fancy
0: mm-hmm. to add the chipotle to it. Yeah, the flavors are definitely complex because mm-hmm. you have the heat in there, it's a little sweet, and also the smokiness. Yeah, so yum. I'm going to have to give this a try. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. You can find us on our website, friendlierpodcast.com,
1: on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. And listeners, thank you again for being with us for a whole year. We so appreciate you listening to us every two weeks. If you enjoy the show, one way you could help us is to leave a rating and review on iTunes. We really appreciate you taking the time
0: to do it. And whenever we see one, it brings big smiles to our faces. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly.
1: Do you think that's how we say that, Elizabeth Wine?
0: Ween. <laughs> I'm going with wine. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> and. <laughs> said shit. Oh,
0: should I say it some, a different No, way? I can put the E on it. I'll put that E on. The explicit. Okay. Excellent.
1: I could go. Um, we're getting in the weeds. There.
0: <laughs> I love <laughs> being see. in the weeds with you. <laughs> This is going well.
1: Um, Yeah, we're rocking it. I love it. This is like perfect. So glad that we're doing this in the morning. Me too. (laughs) It's really making it go more smoothly. Absolutely. Do you want to trade-off so that I do my dailies and then we'll go to weeklies? You
0: mean so that I don't talk for the next 15 minutes?
1: (laughs) I mean, I love listening to you talk. (laughs) A
0: little dramatic. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I have been eating something made by you. Well, I wish it was actually made by you.